this Saturday. This Saturday, well, we've got a great time planned. It's going to be at the Oranoke Country Club uh, here in Stratford, just a couple of minutes from the church. And uh, we have child care here provided. And we've got a great team of ladies that are going to watch the kids. And so uh, you'll come and, and have a, a chance to uh, date your husband or wife. Uh, if you are an adult and you are uh, not married but dating, you're encouraged to come as well. And so we'd love to have you there. We're going to have a great time. Uh, we've got a pastor from Stanton Island, New York, named David Wilt, who's coming to preach for us. And so I uh, really encourage you to come. We'll have a great time. We'll laugh together. We'll play some games together. We've got a really, really good menu planned. And uh, we, we did it there last year, and that seemed to work really well. So, again, make every, make every plan to be there. Uh, Jared, if you give me a little more volume on my mic, I'd appreciate that. Uh, but make every, every plan you can to be there, and uh, you'll, you'll be really glad you did. You can sign up for that in the lobby, and then we'll take payment uh, there uh, at, the, at the event. $60 per couple, but it'll be worth every dime. Let's stand this morning for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter number 8. And we'll read from verse 4 down through verse number 15, as we've done the last few weeks here. And I'll begin in verse 4. We'll read together as a church, verses uh, beginning in verse 5, and then every other verse we will read out loud. So all the odd-numbered verses together, I'll read the even-numbered verses beginning in verse 4. The Bible says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit in hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while, and in time of... Fall away. And that which fell among uh, thorns are they, which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. We've been looking at this uh, passage now. This is the third week. Uh, this parable, this story, this truth that Jesus told, we've focused on uh, the first two types of soil of heart. This week we're going to focus on the third one, that of the thorns and thistles, and we'll call it the prickly soil. Let's pray this morning. Lord, help us to see those things that will prevent us from great growth and great success as Christians. Lord, the scripture song we sang early in the service about having success. Lord, uh, success is defined different in the Bible than it is by uh, society. And Lord, what we have been told to believe our whole life about it. 
Lord, I pray we would not be concerned about success as the world defines it, but success as you define it. And Lord, this morning, Satan wants nothing more than to see us fail. And he has, he has done many things to uh, allow that to happen or to, 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 to prevent us from moving forward for you. So Lord, as we identify these things this morning, may each of us have a tender heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So this morning, I woke up and I got dressed. And um, I put my tie on. And my wife looks at me and she says, why are you wearing Patriots colors? And I said, oh boy, I got to change my tie. My wife's a better sports fan than I am. And so I took my tie off and I picked the Rams colors. How many here tonight are cheering for the Patriots? Would you raise your hand? All right, if we can have the security come forward, <laughs> keep your hands up now. Um, um, yeah, there are two teams I can't stand, and they are the Steelers and the Patriots. And so uh, I will be watching with fervor this evening. Give me the pulpit here. Our, our uh, wireless is going in and out, so I'm just going to stand by the pulpit uh, this morning. But um, I will be watching with fervor this evening uh, and cheering for the the Rams to beat the Patriots. Someone said, are you cheering for the Rams? No, I'm cheering for the Patriots to lose. So, uh, no, but uh, I hope uh, I, I hope that uh, you won't neglect God this evening. Uh, I hope that you'll come to church. And so we have made accommodations for those of you that don't want to miss the game and are torn between what to do. Uh, we have a room upstairs where we're going to DVR the game and skip the commercials. Some of you, that's all you want to watch is the commercials. Uh, but a lot of what goes on in those commercials is not wholesome for a Christian anyway. Uh, so we're going to skip the commercials and we're going to skip the halftime show because you don't need to be watching the halftime show. And uh, we're going to watch, um, we're going to watch, uh, watch it on DVR after the sermon. We'll have some food here and things for you to eat and enjoy. And then um, we'll be able to, probably we'll be all caught up by the time we get to the second half. So don't skip church tonight. Uh, come on out and enjoy uh, the house uh, of God. We're going to be looking at another aspect of this Preparing the Soil series. I'm going to begin another set of sermons this evening on the same idea. And we're going to talk about what to do with a hard heart. A hard heart. And I'll say this this evening, but just to plug the sermon a little bit uh, now, um, as a Christian who's been a Christian for a long time, I, I don't know that there's anything that I've battled against more than the development of a hard heart toward God. I, I, it's just something I have dealt with my whole Christian life. And so we're going to talk about how that happens and what to do when it happens so that you can stay tender to the Lord. We're going to be in Hosea looking at the verse where uh, Hosea tells the Israelites to break up the fallow ground or the hardened soil. And so we'll be there tonight. I'd encourage you to be back at 6 o'clock for that. Let's jump in tonight and uh, pick back up our series on Luke 8. Throughout the series, we've broken down the four soils of the heart uh, into the following categories. So that next slide up there for me, Jared. Uh, we have the path soil, the petrified soil. This morning we'll look at the prickly soil. 
and the productive soil. Now, for those of you that uh, haven't been here and or maybe just need a refresher, let me help you remind you what's going on here. Jesus was preaching to a group of people and he uses a parable. A parable is a made up story that he uses to get a point across. You could call it an illustration, if you will. Jesus loved to use illustrations. And so he says to the crowd gathered there that day, some were uh, skeptically there listening to them. Others were full blown followers and believers. But he speaks to this mixed crowd of folks and he says that a sower or a farmer goes out to sow his seed and uh, he reaches down in his satchel of seed and he takes it and he throws it out on the field and some of that seed landed on the path or the wayside, the road soil, that dirt road that had been packed down and, and it was devoured by the birds of the air and it never entered the soil. He said some of those seeds fell on a shallow soil where that soil was just sitting on rock and those seeds went down into the soil, but because there was no depth of soil, they shot up and with no root, the sun came out and burnt up the the plant and it withered away. And then he said some of the seed landed on soil that grew up with thorns and thistles and the thorns and the thistles grew up around the plants and choked out the plants and they did not see any fruit. And then he said other seeds landed on good soil and they grew up and some put out fruit up to 100 fold or just put out a lot of fruit. So he gives us four different types of soils and the disciples get with him later and they say, all right, Jesus, that was a riddle. Tell us what it meant. And Jesus said, well, since you have a heart that wants to know, I'm going to explain it to you. He said the first type of soil, the path soil, he said that is though that 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 type of soil represents those who hear the word of God and reject it. Their heart is hardened to the gospel. They hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they don't receive it. And then Satan comes along like the bird of the air and he devours the seed before it has any chance to get down in that soil. He said those on the rocky soil or the petrified soil, they are those where the seeds land there. And sure enough, the seed is the word of God and it goes down into the soil of the heart and it is gladly received. And immediately you see this plant, this sprout shoot up and it's there for a bit. And boy, it's exciting. And then the, the sun represents temptation and that temptation comes along and it burns up that uh, plant and it's scorched. It's gone. And and there is no visible outward evidence of, of that person ever having been saved. We looked at that last week and we talked about how that if you don't remove the rocks of baggage, the rocks of sinful habits out of your heart, you will be that Christian who is on fire for God for a short time, faithful to church, reading your Bible, praying, getting involved, plugging away for the Lord, and then that temptation from your past will come in. And because you're not able to put any down, any deep roots for the Lord, you will be an Alka-Seltzer Christian. Big uh, a splash, big fizz, and then gone. We talked about how that we've seen a lot of those here at White Oak Baptist Church over the years. Uh, and, and, and so you've got to deal with past baggage. Some of you here come into church and you have sinful habits that you brought into your salvation. You need to beg God's face 
to give you deliverance. You need to do everything you can for God to deliver you from that. And listen, those addictions or those past sins can be anywhere from a, a, a lying, deceitful heart to an anger problem that can be a, a, some sort of substance addiction. It can be a, a, an entertainment addiction. It can be laziness. Uh, any of those things that you bring into your life, uh, a poor relationship uh, uh, skills, uh, you bring these things into your life and you don't know how to deal with them. You've got to ask God and you've got to seek counsel and you've got to go through the process of pulling out the rocks out of the soil of your heart so that the seed of God's word can send roots down deep into the soil of your heart and grow up to produce something great. I shared last week about a farmer who I worked for as a teenager and he would go through a field that had not been plowed in a long time and and he would run his plow through there and he would pull up debris and rocks and and, 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 and stumps and all sorts of things, old stump pieces and we would go behind him and we would remove those things out of the soil so that soil could be productive. And Christian, that's hard work, but that must be done if you're going to succeed. And by the way, that is a lengthy, lengthy process depending on how much baggage you bring into your Christian life or how much baggage you've allowed to accumulate while being a Christian. This week, we're going to turn our attention to that third type of soil. And I want to introduce it this way by giving you an illustration that I hope will begin to paint a picture for what exactly Christ is getting at here. Someone once uh, uh, observed to me about those who, who dedicate their life to God to serve him in full time Christian service by way of heading off to a Bible school or to get Bible training. He said this, and I have to say before I share this with you, that I have observed this to be 100 percent accurate. He said this, he said, one in four people that agree to go away to Bible school for training actually go. I can tell you 100% that is true. I was part of a youth group and we had a whole bunch of people say, I will go to Bible school to train to be a preacher or a preacher's wife. And about one in four of us that volunteered to go actually went. One in four who show up for their freshman year will actually graduate. Now, that statistic isn't just true about Bible school. That's true about college in general. How many here are college graduates? Would you hold up your hand if you're a college graduate? Did you notice that about one-fourth of those who started finished? Did you notice how people dropped out? My freshman class, when I went off to Bible school, was about 1,000, maybe 800. I graduated with a group of about 200. Big, big drop-off. So one in four that go to college or that volunteer for church ministry actually go off to college. One in four will, of those who go off to college will graduate. One in four who graduate will actually take a job in full-time ministry or will do ministry work. One in four who take a job in the ministry will last at least five years. And only one in four of those who make it five years last more than 20 years. Wow, what an attrition rate. What a drop-off. One in four uh, uh, end up in college. One in four graduate. One in four take a job in the ministry. One in four in the ministry last five years. And one in four who make it five years will last longer than 20 years. Now that might sound unrealistic to you, but I'm here to tell you that I can 100% validate as someone who has volunteered to go to Bible college, graduated from Bible college, watched my peers either take ministry positions or not, watched my peers fall by the wayside within the first five years, I can, and, and, and then just being around churches and seeing how uh, Satan is able to drop men out of church ministry regularly, I can tell you that this is 100% true. 
Now, why? Because the thorns and thistles described in Luke chapter 8, verses 7 and 14, sink them or pull them away or keep them from going. Now, can we just make this a fair point that if you're volunteering to go off to Bible school, you haven't been in church for a short time. Usually when someone volunteers to go away for ministry training, they've been in church a good little bit. They've had time to cultivate the soil of their heart and make it pure and right. Uh, uh, so for someone like that to be dropped out of church or dropped out of church ministry, it is a sign that the that something along the way choked away the fruit of their life. Now, I don't just say this about folks who volunteered for Bible school or Bible training or church ministry and then set that by the wayside. Listen, this same thing happens to folks who've been going to church for 20 and 30 years who just go and sit on the pew. This happens to Christians who once taught Sunday school. This happens to Christians who once worked bus routes. This happens happens to Christians who were once in the on the front lines of the battle for the Lord and doing what's right and then they just got weary and they stopped and now they just talk about the good old days. Talk about the good old days. I heard someone say one time they say if you're talking a whole lot about your effort then you must not have had very good results. And I got to say this morning that you we must watch as Christians that the thorns and thistles of life do not choke out our spiritual fruit tree. Satan wants nothing more than to see that happen. I believe that this isn't just something that applies to people who have trained and volunteered for church ministry. This applies to the everyday Christian that sits on the pew. The everyday Christian who gets up and battles through their Christian life. Satan wants nothing more than to choke out the spiritual fruit of being a good mother or a good father or a good husband or wife or being a good Christian or being a good Sunday school teacher or being uh, uh, good at whatever you have volunteered as an usher or a, a choir member or a nursery worker, Satan wants nothing more than to have you uh, uh, pulled away from God and church and that which he's called you to do. And he will allow those thorns and thistles to come up and choke out your Christian life. This morning, I believe that the soil of your heart is laced with seeds that will grow up to be weeds. If you're going to produce fruit for your Savior, then you must stay active at weed pulling. If you don't stay on top of the weeds, the weeds will choke out the fruit tree of spiritual development and keep you from reaching your potential as a Christian. I want us to look at three observations about this parable in Luke 8 as we talk about the prickly or the thorny soil this morning. If you have, if you received a bulletin this morning, on the back of that bulletin, there is a fill-in-the-blank outline. I would encourage you to take notes as we go along here. Uh, find a pen, borrow a pen, uh, uh, just don't steal a pen. Amen? Uh, get a pen and, uh, and be involved. Uh, number one, notice a doer's attitude. A doer's attitude. Look with me back at Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. And let's focus in hard at uh, this third type of soil this morning. It says there, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard, look at these next two words, go forth. They go forth. Now that word heard there is an interesting word. And if you go back and look at what it means in its original language, it carries a very profound and powerful, a very potent definition. Here's what it means. It means to listen or pay attention to a person with resulting conformity to what is advised or commanded. Or in simple terms, to pay attention for the purpose of obedience. To pay attention for the purpose of obedience. 
So when a person has heard the gospel or have received the word of God as it's been tossed out into the soil of their heart, they don't just hear it and be a hearer only. They go forth and they live a life that is conformed. They live a life that is obedient to the word of God. This is a person on the move. This is a person who, for a season of time in their life, they open up the Bible in the morning or in the evening. They read some verses. The Holy Spirit of God moves in their hearts and says, hey, this has got to change or you need to start doing this or you need to stop doing that. And that person says, yes, sir, Holy Spirit, I'm all in on that. I'm going to do it. And then they go forth and they do it. They show up the church on Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Wednesday evening and the preacher preaches in church or they go to Sunday school and they hear their Sunday school teacher teach and they hear something from God's Word that challenges them as something that needs to change in their life and they say, Lord, I'm not just here to, uh, to listen. I'm here to go forth and do. And they go forth and they do. We're talking about people in this third type of soil. We're talking about people who at one point were faithful to church. We're talking about people who once gave faithfully to the Lord. We're talking about people who were faithful to a ministry. We're talking about a Christian who at one point was faithful in sharing the gospel. They were faithful to a private walk with God. They were at one point confirmed to living a life conducive to doing what was right or living righteously. And what happened to them? At some point, something came along and choked out the good fruit that they were producing in their life for the Lord. Now, you say, well, pastor, does that really happen to people? And I'd say, yeah, it happens all the time. You say, well, once I grow to a certain point in my Christian life, it's not going to happen to me anymore, is it? And I'd say it can get any of us at any time. One church I attended at one point in my life ran over 20,000 in church on Sunday morning. Huge church. Uh, On big days, they'd send buses into Chicago. They'd bring over 10,000 people on buses to church. Uh, The the auditorium sat 7,500 and uh, it didn't quite get filled up every week, but I'd say at one point, probably 6,000 to 6,500 drive-in people sitting in the auditorium. And they had all kinds of auxiliary services going on around the property. It was a huge ministry. And the pastor is a very talented man. And, and I would say uh, early on, this pastor there did a great job at loving people and loving the Lord and, and, and leading the church in a positive direction. That man sits in jail today. For fooling around with a 17 year old girl. You know what happened? Thorns and thistles. If it can get him, it can get anybody. I heard about a man who was very talented in in training for the ministry. Not someone I knew, but a friend friend of mine told me this story. And he said that he attended a different Bible college. And a similar situation where a big name pastor fell into sin. And hurt a lot of people. The, the friend of his, uh, the, the, my, the pastor friend of mine is telling me the story. He said that he pulled into his friend's driveway. His friend was a married college student. And his friend was packing a U-Haul to leave. And he said, where are you going? He said, well, if brother, if pastor such and such can't make it, then I have no chance. I quit. I quit. I want to just say this morning that if you think that somehow you are above having thorns and thistles grow up in your life and choke out your Christian fruit, my friend, you are a big candidate for failing. 
You know, the difference between a man who makes it or a woman who makes it in the Christian life and isn't uh, isn't dropped by sinful weeds and and thorns and thistles. The difference between someone like that who makes it and doesn't make it. uh, Let me tell you what the difference is. The person who realizes that they're able to see I am weak and frail and I must have accountability. I must have walls of protection around me. I must do my due diligence to stay ahead of this. Uh, That is the person who will make it long term. The moment you you think that you're above sin uh, affecting you and choking out the, the, the tree of, of fruit in your uh, Christian life, that is when Satan has you right where he wants you. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this, it says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A castaway. Paul, the one of the greatest Christians in the New Testament era, he said this, he said, Boy, I preach to others how to live, but I've got to watch my own life. I've got to watch those secret corners. I've got to make sure that I don't just have a doer's attitude, but I'm protecting my heart. Number two, notice, a dormant destruction. A dormant destruction. Look down with me at Luke chapter 8 and verse number 7. Speaking of these, uh, this seed thrown out by the farmer, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. The thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Turn over to Proverbs 24 with me, if you would. Hold your place in Luke 8. Put a marker there in your Bible. Turn over to Proverbs chapter number 24. Imagine that you are the farmer in this parable, okay? You have the sack of seed on your hip. I wish I could step away from the pulpit and illustrate, but my microphone's not working, so you just have to uh, allow me to paint the image in your mind's eye, all right? Uh, you've got the sack of, of, uh, of seed on your hip there, and you're getting ready to sling out this seed onto the soil. You've got a huge field in front of you, and you've got, uh, you've got a handful of seed, and you're going to step back, and you're just going to sling it as hard as you can and as far as you can. And you know you know that some of this seed is going to get wasted. You know that some of it's going to land on the dirt road over there, and you have no hope for that seed. You know that seed's uh, a waste, and uh, you planned in, in your tossing of seed, you planned for some of it to land over there. And you have a, a section next to that where you have ground that's been uh, unplowed and uncultivated. It, uh, it, it has rocks below the surface and there's about an inch or two of soil that wind and rainwater has carried over there and has settled on top of that rock. And you know that whatever seeds land in that soil, they really don't have a chance of producing anything. But next to that soil where you have those rocks, you have a field that you you, as a farmer, have plowed. You have broken up the dirt clods. You have prepared. You have spent days and weeks. Uh, you spent a lot of time pulling out the broken uh, sticks and the old roots and the rocks. And you've cultivated this land to get it ready to be productive. And you sling that out, uh, that seed out. Uh, the truth is that all of that soil there, you want those seeds landing in that soil to produce you the fruit or the vegetables that you are throwing that out on. Now, what is the difference? And I really want you to get this because this is very critical to the sermon this morning. What is the difference between the soil that ends up becoming productive and the soil that ends up having thorns and thistles grow up in it? Can I tell you the difference? It's all been cultivated the same. Both soils, the prickly and the productive soil, have weed seeds down in it. You cannot remove weed seeds 
out of soil, no matter how hard you work at it, there will be uh, uh, seeds of thorns and thistles that find their way in and grow up, grow up. They're like a cancer that cannot be removed. If you were able to remove all of them, birds would fly overhead and drop more in there. You cannot get rid of it. Wind would carry it in there. And so what is the difference? One field is looked after and the other one isn't. Proverbs 24, look at verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful or the lazy, by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns. And nettles or weeds had covered the face thereof. And the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well, Solomon says. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. Please catch this. Before the seed is slung, there is no difference between the thorny soil and the soil that will end up being productive. Notice that in our text back in Luke 8, verse 7 explains that the thorns spring up with it. With it. Each Christian here today has lying within their sinful heart destruction, dormant. Proverbs 24 explains that this destruction comes to the one who does not walk guard around his or her heart. I think Proverbs 4.23 complements this thought well, doesn't it? Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Hey, you are a gardener of your own heart. And you've got to constantly walk around and pull out the weeds that are, are not supposed to be there. And pull those up and keep the garden clean so that the, 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 the tree of righteousness can grow uh, big and strong and tall in your life and, and, and go, grow strong and produce. You say, well, Pastor, I've been saved for 30 years and that tree is big and strong and the roots have grown down deep. Can I tell you today that even a tree like that can get covered in weeds and can be greatly limited and eventually killed. We must walk guard around our heart. When I was three years old, my family picked up from uh, Louisiana and moved to uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where I would live until I was 13 years old. Much of my childhood is, um, uh, revolves around living in southern Mississippi. University of Southern Miss is right around, was, uh, right around the corner from our house. And my brother and I used to ride our bicycles over there and uh, look through the fence and watch football games. Had a good time with that. Uh, we were allowed in to watch a couple of games and uh, had a great time. Those are back in the days where we were allowed to ride our bike up and down the road. And uh, we came home when the streetlights came on. Amen. Uh, not uh, not where you, you put a dog collar around your kids and don't let them more than 20 feet away from you. Uh, we were allowed to kind of go around. Uh, there were train tracks around the corner and we'd ride over the train tracks and put a quarter on the train track and get watch it get squished and uh, be outside and, and our bare feet running up and down the road, setting up bike ramps in the middle of our dead end road and seeing how, how much air we could get. Boy, those were great times. But uh, uh, life wasn't always that simple. My dad liked to work us. And he uh, he did a lot of uh, uh, working us hard and taught us how to work at a young age. Uh, my dad administrated a private Christian school there of about 250 kids 
uh, part of the, the church ministry there. And uh, they had uh, its own building. It was a large metal building. Uh, and when you're four and a half feet tall, it looks like it goes on and on forever, especially when it's 100 degrees outside and your dad hands you a pair of work gloves and puts you on one end of the building and your brother on the other end of the building and says, see this flower bed that runs the length of the building? Go through and pull out all the weeds. Boy, that building looked like it just went on forever. And so we're out there and we've got these work gloves on and our hands are sweating and we're down there on our hands and knees and we're pulling weeds out of this flower bed. You see, school was going to start in just a couple of weeks and they were going to come in and put down new flowers for the opening of the school year. But it had grown over with weeds and thorns and thistles. And my brother and I were given the job at seven, eight, nine years old of going through it, pulling up all the weeds. Can I tell you that I have done a lot of hard jobs in my life? I don't know ever in my life if I've ever been given a job more difficult, arduous, and, and, and miserable than that. I would compare it to laying a roof in a, on a hot summer day where you're up there and just sweating buckets. Boy, my hands got so miserable in those work gloves that I took them off and just started working with my hands and the thorns and, and, and such started poking my fingers and I was bleeding and, and, and just hot and miserable and we'd come inside and get water. My dad was tough on us. He'd say, boy, I'm paying you. And, and I think he was paying me like two bucks an hour, but I'm paying you and you get back out there and, and, and work and, and get your Gatorade or get your water and get back out there and get to work. But before the fresh flowers could be beautiful, before they could be put in and have any success, somebody had to go out and pull up the weeds so that those flowers would have a chance at thriving and succeeding in that flower bed. Proverbs 24 explains that the vineyards were all grown over with thorns and weeds because of the laziness of the husbandman. Now let me just say this morning, when it comes to your spiritual life, when it comes to your heart, when it comes to having success as a Christian, pulling weeds is hard work. But you can't produce fruit for the, your Savior. You cannot have a productive marriage. You cannot see the fruits of the Spirit we sang about last month being becoming evidenced in your life. You cannot begin to see other people come to the saving knowledge of Christ through your life unless you're willing to put in the hard work of pulling up the thorns and thistles and weeds that grow up inside of you. I once heard a preacher explain uh, it this way. He said, God can use just about anyone. He can use a murderer as he did in David, an adulterer as he did in David. He can use a harlot as he did in Rahab. He can use a thief. He can use ungodly rulers. Uh, There is only one type of person God cannot use. He cannot use someone who is lazy. God despises laziness. You say, I'm not lazy this morning. And I would say this, what does your spiritual garden look like, my friend? Have you lazily allowed the thorns and thistles to grow up amongst your heart and choke out any evidences of fruit in your life? Let me just remind you that we all have a sinful flesh. And if we want to be productive and successful in our Christian life, then we've got to be weed pullers. We've got to get into the field, the spiritual field of our heart, and we've got to pull the weeds. We must pull them at first sight. We must pull them before they develop their own root system and grow out of control. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said this about sin. He said, when Satan cannot catch us with a big sin, he will try with a little one. 
It does not matter to him as long as he catches his fish what bait he uses. Beware of the beginning of evil, for many who bade fair to go right have turned aside and perished amongst the dark mountains in the wide field of sin. We must be careful to walk guard. We must be careful to pluck up the little sins before they become a stronghold in our life. Otherwise, these will slowly grow and in time will choke out all of the visible evidences of our Christianity. Number one, a doer's attitude. Number two, a dormant destruction. Number three, I want to spend a moment talking about a dying plant. A dying plant. Or a tree. Look at look back with me at Luke chapter eight verse seven. It says there, and some fell among thorns, and the Bible says the thorns sprang up with it. Notice those last three words, and choked it, and choked it. In this parable, God has given spiritual meaning to the different aspects of His story. Now, let's quickly review what these uh, different things in this story represent. What is the seed? The seed is what? It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Who is the sower? The sower is the preacher or one who gives out the Bible or the gospel truth. The soil is a picture of the condition of what? Our heart, all right? The rocky ground symbolizes uh, a heart that, uh, rather, I'm sorry, I got, I got this down on my notes wrong. Uh, the path soil uh, represents someone with a hard heart that is out and out, flat out, rejected the gospel. They, uh, they will not receive uh, the, the gospel. And the rocky ground symbolizes someone who readily received the gospel but did not clean up the past baggage or lack of disciplines in their life. And because they had no depth of soil, the evidences of their Christianity, uh, outward evidences, were short-lived. Uh, the watering of the soil. This is very important. Okay, please hear me on this. Some of you, your head might be spinning, but hang with me here. The watering of the soil is a symbol of God's Holy Spirit working in the Christian life. So what do the thorns represent? We can't pull up the, the thorns unless we're able to properly identify them. Now, this is, this is the crux of the sermon. Because we're going to identify the three areas that will land you out of God's will. We're going to, Jesus identified them for us. We're going to identify them and we're going to talk about them. And this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. I want you to look deep down inside the garden of your heart. I want you to imagine that your heart is a garden in front of you right now in your mind's eye. Which weeds are the biggest and the strongest? Which ones are there? Which ones are present? Which ones have wrapped around the fruit tree of your Christian life and preventing that fruit tree from being successful? Jesus, in verse 14, tells us what those thorns are. Look back at verse 14 of Luke 8. It says, And that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked out. Here they are with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And bring no fruit to perfection. Let's quickly go over these. I've alliterated them for you. Letter A, in, in place of cares, notice the word problems. Problems. Verse 14 says, uh, uh, and are choked with cares. With cares. The word for cares here is our modern English word anxiety. And it is someone who worries about an uncertain outcome. 
as a pastor with a loving heart. I spend hours on my face each week in deep prayer, bearing the hurts of this church. Some of you carry some very heavy, heavy problems and needs. Satan wants nothing more than to allow that hurt to keep you from being the Christian God wants you to be. You know, when hard times come into your life, whether it's a child who's misbehaving, you lost your job, someone you love dearly is not acting the way you want them to act, a strained relationship with another adult relative. Listen, we could, I could stand up here for hours and list all the possible cares that grow up into our hearts. But when these things come our way, I have noticed that Christians have one of two responses. They either run passionately to God or they run fervently away from God. I've talked about my daughter, April. The day she turned one, December 27, 2011, she was very sick. That day she didn't really cry. She didn't eat. She didn't sleep. Or she didn't, she didn't eat. She didn't really do much anything but lay in my arms and sleep. And I held her. I held her for probably 80% of the day. I was off for Christmas break. My heart broke looking at my daughter who was just really sick. We'd taken her to the doctor. They'd given us some medicine. And the medicine just hadn't quite kicked in yet. I remember that night when I laid my daughter in her bed. She opened her eyes, one-year-old little girl, and she looked at me. What I saw was a strong, passionate, thank you, Daddy, I love you, in her eyes. She didn't even know how to speak yet. But boy, those eyes said it all. I laid my daughter in her bed that night and I walked out of her room. And I said to God, I said, God, now I understand why you allow me to have problems. Because you want me to feel toward you the way my daughter feels toward me. Christian, when God allows a problem, a care in your life, those are thorns and thistles that are growing up to choke out your Christian life. You have a choice. You can cling to God or you can run from God. First Peter 5, 7 says this. It says, casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Listen, nowhere did God say that if you get saved, all your problems would go away. It's just not in the Bible. In fact, Jesus told a group of people in Matthew, he said the rain falls the same on the on the just as it does the unjust. You're going to go through hard times. You are going to have the weeds of hurt and pain and problems come your way. And you've got to choose whether you're going to allow that to wrap around the tree of your Christian life and choke out your fruit and sink you out of church and keep you from giving back to the Lord as He's given to you and affect the way you do church ministry, uh, the way that you are a Christian or not. You get to make that choice. 
There are two characters in the Bible who we look at as stalwarts in Scripture, just just giants of the faith. And can I tell you, they had the weeds of problems grow up in their life just like you did. And they had to make a choice. And I'm thankful that God has recorded Acts 26.2 in 1 Samuel 13, verse, or 30, verse 6. Acts 26.2, we find the account of Paul in prison on his way to Rome, where he would eventually be beheaded, history tells us, for his faith. And as he's standing in front of King Agrippa, and the weeds of, 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 of problems are beginning to grow in his life, of cares growing in his life, he reaches down with two hands and he yanks the weeds out of the soil of his heart. Acts 26.2. Paul says, I think myself happy. I think myself happy, King Agrippa. I have made a choice that I'm not going to dwell on the cares of this life. I'm not going to allow them to choke out my problems. I'm mentally not going there. I'm going to reach down and I'm going to dwell on the goodness of my life. I'm going to dwell on uh, the blessings of God in my life. And I'm going to rip out the weeds of, of problems, of the cares of this world. Yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I'm in bonds. Yes, I'm probably going to die for what I believe. But I'm not going to allow that to choke out the fruit that God wants me to bear in the latter years of my life. 1 Samuel chapter 30, we find the story of David. David has been away at war. He comes home and the enemy has swooped in and gathered up his family and his, uh, the family of his men, the wife and children, and burnt down the city and stolen all their stuff and fled. And the men are angry at David. And David's their leader. He's not yet king. And they want to stone David to death and kill him. Well, I can't imagine coming home and finding my house burned and my wife uh, and, and children gone. Can't imagine that. Much less getting up here and knowing that while we were at church, that happened to all of us. You all coming back and saying, we want to kill that pastor because he had church and all of our houses were pillaged and, and all of our families were stolen. Boy, what a low place to be in. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, but David encouraged himself and the Lord is God. You know what David did? He reached down with two hands and he grabbed hold of the weeds and the thorns and the thistles of the cares of his life. And he ripped them out of the soil of his heart. And he said, I'm not going to allow this. To choke out the fruit that God wants me to bear. Some of you here today are carrying some really heavy stuff. I know about some of it, but there's probably the majority of it that is so private, it's not even been told to the pastor. And I'm not a priest, so you don't have to come tell me all of your problems and pains and struggles and shortcomings. But you can take those to God and you can have Him give you victory. If, if, if you are in that spot, can you look up here at me right now? Can I tell you something? You can either run to God and love Him more, or you can run from God. You're going to do one or the other. You need to make the choice that you're going to be like David and Paul. You're going to reach down with two hands and you're going to rip those weeds out of the soil. You're not going to allow them to choke out the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Christian. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you'll minister for me one day. And there are three different uh, uh, thorns and thistles that will choke out uh, your fruit and the fruit of those that you lead. The first one are cares or problems. Let her be. Notice prosperity. Prosperity. Back in Luke 8, 14, he says, uh, uh, and, and they uh, that which uh, fell among thorns today, which when they heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches. And riches. Someone wisely said, defeat has slain its thousands, victory its tens of thousands. 
Defeat has slain its thousands. Victory its tens of thousands. I'm left to wonder how different the landscape of the entire Old Testament would be if King Saul had not allowed success to kill him. Now, I'll give you a story real quick here. But uh, but Israel came to Samuel, their prophet, and said, We want a king, and we want an earthly king like everyone else. We're tired of it just being God. We want to have a man we can lay eyes on. And so God told Samuel, He said, Go find, uh, I'm going to bring a man to you named Saul. He's a farmer's son, and you're going to, uh, you're going to, uh, uh, you're going to make him king. And so uh, the day came where they were going to uh, uh, introduce their king, and Saul was a tall guy. But Saul was laid down hiding behind a bunch of bags of fruit and food because he was so scared to be the king. Boy, he had a humble heart and they had to get him and, and, and force him to be the king. And after the ceremony of crowning him king was over, you know what Saul did? He didn't say, build me a palace and send in your taxes. Saul went home to his dad and kept working the field. He just kept living his life. And he had the title of king, but he really wasn't practiced king. And there was a an incident that took place where Saul gathered together and created an army. And from there, he began to see the success of being a king. They built him a palace and taxes began to be collected. And men servants and, and women servants were gathered to serve the, the king in his palace. And a staff was built out. And uh, a cattle were gathered. And the people were uh, a full-blown structure of a government and a king. And, and Saul began to see great success and Saul looked at his success and he became lifted up in his pride and you know what Saul did? Saul began to disobey God and that humble heart fled. 1 Samuel 15, 26 says, And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned away to go, he laid, he, uh, Saul laid a down, or laid hold upon the skirt or the back of his shirt, and it rent. And Samuel, uh, said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine, that it is, that, uh, that is better than thou. You know what happened? The root the weed of prosperity, the weed of success, the weed of money, the weed of chasing a larger paycheck, the weed of a raise, the weed of uh, of having the fine things of life grew up in the soil of Saul's heart. It wrapped around the tree that had uh, given him success and it began to choke out the fruit. And God sent Samuel to, uh, to Saul, King Saul, and he said, because you have made these choices, you're done being king. We know what happened, right? Samuel went and anointed David. David became king. Jonathan was a great man. That was Saul's son. Never would become king. You know why? Because the prosperity of life got him. Christian, today you're going to make a choice. You have to figure out what your definition of success is. If I were to have you take out a pen and paper and define success and then illustrate success, what would that look like? Is it a nicer house? Is it a bigger, a fancier car? Is it more prominence and power? Is it fame? What success look like to you? Finishing that college degree and then off to a, a, a successful career? Listen, I'm not saying any of these things are bad. They're not. But Satan will mix in the seeds of earthly success so that he can choke out the fruit tree of spiritual success. 
Was it D.L. Moody that said, it is not success I'm afraid of. It's being successful at the wrong things. Prosperity. Prosperity. You know, um, I think one of... And this is the thought process I don't think many of you have had. So I hope you'll, you'll listen and, and, and meditate on this later. I think one of the greatest tools in Satan's bag that he uses to trip up Christians, I think one of the greatest tools is he throws... He throws earthly success at someone hard, knowing that it's going to trip them up because they don't know how to handle it. I think sometimes Satan allows somebody to get a, a promotion at work because he knows that's going to keep him out of church on Sundays. I think sometimes Satan throws a pay raise at someone because he knows that's going to cause them to be drunk on a chase of money and then they're not going to teach Sunday school. They're not going to invest in others. I think Satan knows that he can throw uh, fame and popularity at somebody and he knows that's going to create them a big head and it's going to cause them to trip and fall and take a lot of people out in the process. Some of you here today need to watch out against this one. Letter C, notice pleasures. And I finish with this pleasures. Luke 8, 14. And are choked out with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Can I tell you what the word pleasure means? It means passion. It means enjoyment. It means something one is fond of doing. Passion, enjoyment, something one is fond of doing. You may not be choked out by by the pains and struggles of life. You may not be choked out by the successes of life. Instead, you may end up being choked out by your own internal sin. You may be choked out by a passion of yours that is wrong. I talked earlier about the pastor of that large church that was dropped. Do you know what it was? Passion out of control. Passion out of control. My strong opinion is that that man... I listened to him preach for years, so I'm not just saying this uh, off the cuff. I believe that man had a pornography problem for years. And that ended up to him crawling in the sack with a 17-year-old girl as a 50-something-year-old man. You know what it was? It started as just a little seed of lust. Turned into raging lust out of control. And now, his scope of influence is gone. Now, you may not have a problem with sexual lust. I hope you don't, although it's a big problem in 2019. But pleasure comes in all kinds of forms, doesn't it? You know, you can watch too much TV, and that will keep you from being productive for the Lord. Some of you, the reason why you don't come back to church on Sunday night is because your favorite TV show's on, and you don't want to miss it. Really? Is that it? You don't want to interrupt the pleasure of your family time, or you you don't want to uh, you don't want to throw off uh, what's fun for you. I know that I'm old school and I'm probably a little weird, but to me, going to church is fun. I I can't really think of much uh, I'd rather do than come to church. Uh, to me, that's that's fun. But Satan wants to sideline you with um, with pleasure. 
And if he can't get you to fall to some moral sin, he'll just distract you by getting you to just go have fun in lieu of, of church. How many of you here have uh, children at home? Would you raise your hand for me? Do you have children at home? You know what I find with my kids? Is that when I tell them it's time to do a chore or to work? Aww. We banned the phrase, aww, in our house. It's just not allowed. Um, because that is a, like a, a very subtle way of being disrespectful. And so we just don't let him say it. Um, but I'm sure inwardly it's aww. You know why? Because they'd rather play than work. That's just how it is. They'd rather play than work. And can I tell you the truth about me is I'd rather play than work. I just would. I'd rather go play around a golf or play basketball or sit down and watch a sports game or waste a couple hours watching YouTube videos. You older folks don't get that, but us young crowd, we get it. We understand. Um, that's not, that, that, that is not me producing fruit for the Lord. We've got to pull out the weed of pleasure. I'll finish with one more Spurgeon quote. Please listen attentively to this. This is really good. He says this, he says, the course of rebellion against God may be very gradual, but increases in rapidity as you progress in it. And if you begin to run down the hill, the ever increasing impetus will send you down faster and faster and faster to destruction. You Christians ought to watch against the beginning of worldly conformity. I do believe that the growth of worldliness is like strife, which is as the letting out of water. Once you begin, there is no knowing where you will stop. I sometimes get the question put to me, please listen to this, concerning certainly worldly entertainments, may I do so and so, or what is wrong with such and such? I am very sorry when someone, I'm very sorry whenever anyone asks me this, these questions, because it shows that there is something wrong, or it would not have been raised at all. If a person's conscious, let him say, well, I can, I can go to A. Very soon he will go to B, C, D, E, and find his way all the way through the letters of the alphabet. And I would just say this, Christian, if you find yourself saying, well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? That shows an immaturity in Christ. The mature question is, what's right with it? What's right with it? It's time for us as Christians to examine the soil of our heart. To look and see the thorns and the thistles that will continue to pop up and to be on our game, pulling up and rooting out the weeds, the thorns and thistles that want to choke out our Christian life. Some of us here today may have those thorns and thistles completely wrapped around the tree. Boy, you've got some work to do. Others of you here today, there they're just needs to be a conscious effort to reach down and pull those out. But all of us here today need to make sure we're doing our part to not allow a Proverbs 24 soil, to not allow our field to be ran over by sin. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for how relevant it is and helpful it is. Would you help us, Lord, to be completely open and honest with ourselves, to deal with these things? And Lord, for those going through problems, may we cling to you, not run from you. 
For those of us here today that are dealing with distractions from money and wealth, may we pull up those weeds and, Lord, instead chase success biblically and spiritually. For those here today that are drunk on entertainment and pleasure, Lord, may we be more concerned with spiritual success and productive Christianity than we are just going through life having a good time. Help us, Lord, this morning to clean up the garden of our heart. I do pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here today that has not put their faith and trust in you to save them, that they would do that before they leave today. Help them, Lord, to know that salvation is a gift. It's free. It's, it's from heaven. and It's just simply received through the outstretched hand of faith, not through the outstretched hand of good works. And so, Lord, I pray if there's one here today that isn't saved, may they, may they be convicted of their sin and see the need of, of salvation. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The altars.